Good morning. How are we doing today? Um, for those of you I have not had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Pastor Caden. I am our youth and young adults pastor. I love getting to serve our youth and young adults and kind of just seeing how God is moving in and through their lives here in the community of Lompoc. And let me tell you, we have some awesome young people in Lompoc. Um, so serve in youth group. <laughs> just kidding, but not, not really. You should serve in youth group. Okay, so since the last, I've been gone for a while. Um, I got to do announcements last week. I ran sound a couple times, but I haven't gotten to see all of your beautiful faces in a really long time. And we have a little update. We have two beautiful boys now, uh, Maximus and Maverick. Maverick is doing awesome. He's already 14 pounds. Um, he's not even two months old yet. And he is a giant baby. Um, my arms hurt. My lower back hurts really bad, too. But be praying. He's been dealing with some, some breathing issues, and, and obviously he's still doing fine because he's 14 pounds. Um, but he's, we, we would like to get the breathing stuff figured out a little bit. So be praying with us and for little baby Maverick. Um, he's adorable. My days consist of looking at him and going, and sometimes you get a smile and sometimes you don't. But when you get the smile, it's all worth it, right? Because then you look back and your wife's looking at you like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm talking to him. <laughs> they understand. They understand. Uh, Maximus is a great big brother. Sometimes. He loves his little brother when his little brother isn't taking up all of our time. So he has moments where he's like, I'm just going to go hang out in the garage and I don't want anything to do with you guys. And then other times he's like, let me feed Maverick. And then he does that for all of two seconds and moves on with his life. But the Slicer house is, we're doing good. We're doing good. And thank you for all of your prayers. Thank you for all of the support through us having little baby Maverick. Um, you guys have been a blessing to us. So thank you. Um, before we get into the message today, can we pray? Well, Lord, we just invite you into this space. Lord, we say, would your will be done today, Jesus, in our hearts and our minds? And Lord, we pray that today it wouldn't be my words that are spoken, but they'd be your words that are spoken, Jesus. We give you this service, we give you this message, Jesus, and we just pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, today we are going to be talking about a word that's used often in church context, that word being surrender. Everybody say surrender. Now, in our normal context of life, we view the word surrender differently than I think the Bible would describe the word surrender. In our context, surrender is almost viewed as a negative thing, right? When we think of this word surrender, we think that we're losing in some way or another. We think of battles and wars, and it's over when the white flag is raised, one side or the other ends up surrendering. And because of that, we all of a sudden, when we hear this word surrender, we think of it as a losing kind of word. We're losing, we're, we're not winning. And because we often interpret the word surrender as a negative, when we hear that word in church, it almost scares us. Our view of surrender is bad, or it's uncomfortable, or it's undesirable. It's not what we want, so when we hear it within the context of our faith, we cannot help but bring that same association into our relationship with God. I don't know if anybody else in the room, I know you have, have has done jujitsu in your life. 
Um, Jiu-jitsu is this weird sport where you like, you know, grapple with other guys uh, on mats and you learn these crazy moves. And, and when you're doing jiu-jitsu, you kind of learn these moves to make people tap out. Whether it be a rear naked choke, whether it be an arm bar, whether it be some of those other crazy moves that like tears the muscles off of people's biceps. Like there's all sorts of crazy stuff within the world of jiu-jitsu that you can hurt people with. But I loved jiu-jitsu because it was good workout. I got to do it with my friends. I enjoyed it. I learned how to defend myself um, from, you know, people. But what I couldn't stand more than anything else in the entire world is when somebody was better than me. Um, I am naturally a very competitive person, so the fact um, that I went into this thing called jujitsu not very good and I was losing to people made me angry. Um, so I practiced and I practiced, but still always in any sport really, there's somebody who's going to be better than you. But when it comes to jujitsu, uh, when somebody's better than you, they hurt you. And it's either you start grappling somebody and they get you in a chokehold or they get you in an armbar and you have two options when this moment happens. You either say, I'm going to let my pride dictate my next decision and I'm not going to tap out and I'm just going to pass out. Or on the other side of it, you're like, just break my arm. I'm not going to tap out, just break my arm. In our faith, when we hear this word surrender, we think about it sometimes like losing, like tapping out in a sense, saying, this is something that I'm too scared to release because I don't think God can handle it. Now, unlike jujitsu, it's not painful a lot of the time when we are tapping out or, or pursuing Jesus and things that we need to surrender. In our faith, the word surrender can be scary for a whole lot of other reasons. There isn't necessarily a physical harm like there would be in war or in sports, but it's still a word that can make us wiggle in our seats and get a little bit antsy. Now you might be sitting here thinking, shoot, I know the direction of this message. I know that it's gonna end up with that youth pastor asking me what it is in my life that I need to surrender. I won't be asking you that question today, but Jesus might be. But that is exactly why it's one of those church words that makes us a little bit uncomfortable because if you're anything like me, when I hear that word surrender, I can immediately think of something in my life that I need to let go of. In Genesis, we have Adam and Eve in the garden, two people that God created, made in his own image, and for a time, Adam and Eve were living with, with God in the garden in perfection. And because of that perfection, I would argue that the two of them were living in a continual state of surrender. Because they were living in the perfection that God created, they were living with their creator. Their bodies and their lives were God's, not their own. They lived for him each and every single day, not for themselves. But we know the story, the serpent comes and, and he begins to tempt and deceive them and catch this. What happens in this moment when the temptation and the deception is, is something that now becomes a thing, when sin enters the world, the devil didn't delete the idea of surrender. He just made it possible for them to surrender to things other than 
God. All of a sudden, they went from God, you are worthy, to God, you're worthy of surrender to some things in my life. Their bodies and their lives went from perfect, full surrender to the Creator to God to surrendering to created things. Through temptation and, and deception, they were willing to sacrifice their entire selves on somebody or something's altar other than God's. Because they began believing their own desires were more worthy than God is. And this same reasoning still runs true for us. And that's why I think when we hear this word surrender, it scares us. Because for some reason, we think that if we give up, if we relinquish control, if we give leadership in our lives back over to God, we actually lose. We will lose the things in our life that make us happy. We think we have to surrender our happiness. But the thing about following Jesus is that it's never been about being happy. Following Jesus has always been characterized by experiencing his joy in the midst of our circumstances, good and bad. Experiencing his joy as a result of the things that we're surrendering, which is why I believe wholeheartedly that there's joy in surrender. There's always joy in surrender because surrender is always leading back to Jesus. The world lies and tells us that we are happiest when we are in control. And I don't know about you, but I think about the years of my life, my early teen years into my young adult years. And that time in my life was filled with a lot of choices where I took control. And I can tell you, standing here, that when I was in control, my life did not look very great. Those decisions, they didn't leave me happy, they didn't leave me fulfilled, they left me addicted, they left me more broken than I began. I was surrendered to all of these lowercase, small gods, but not surrendered to the one true God, the only one who could bring perfect joy no matter the situation. And I think when we, when we look at all of this, Adam and Eve lived in this continual state of surrender to the Father, true obedience to the Father. And because of the fall, because of the temptation and the deception to believe that living in perfection with the Creator was no longer the only way, we began thinking in our heads that surrender to other things, to other idols, to other worship, to other things could fulfill us. But what I love about Jesus and God is that the story didn't end in the garden, amen? After years of God's people messing up over and over and over again and God continuing to show up over and over and over again, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and he begins to lead us back into the ability to be in close, tight-knit relationship with him again. And Jesus says something to his disciples and to us about what it means to follow him, what it means to live life with him. And he says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and he says, and he said to all, if anyone, say anyone, would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
Now, when Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he's, he's saying, if anyone wants to become my disciple, if anyone wants to become a follower, somebody who has said yes to Jesus, they must deny themselves. Now, for context, disciples are students of their teacher, so much so that anyone who would, would follow a teacher or somebody that they would look up to, they, their goal in life was to become more like that teacher. So when we say we want to follow Jesus, we want to be disciples of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus, our goal in following him is to become more like him. Living in pursuit of denying ourselves and becoming more like Jesus each and every single day. Now this word deny that's used here, it literally means to abstain and disown. So what Jesus is saying is that as we follow him, we must choose daily to, de- to deny ourselves, to abstain from ourselves, to disown ourselves in a way to fully follow and surrender to Jesus. And we have to do this daily. And I think he was very clear by using daily because surrender is a daily decision, which is our first point. Point number one is this. Surrender is a daily decision. When we read this scripture, we often focus on the phrase, take up your cross daily, right? Anybody else? I know I love that part. But we forget the first part of that sentence when Jesus says, deny yourself. Because denying ourselves is terrifying. Because we love ourselves. I love me. I love Caden. But it has to be, I love Jesus more than I love myself. Jesus is pretty clear about it in the scripture that if anyone would follow him, they must deny themselves. And I get it. It's scary. It can be terrifying. There are days when I'm sitting around, and please don't laugh at me about this, but I'm sitting around, and I look at my shoe collection, and I'm like, Lord, please don't ever make me get rid of that. I will, but I don't want to. Because my goodness, that would hurt. (laughs) But I would be okay. But as I started this message, I said that you might be sitting here thinking that I'm going to ask you what you need to surrender in your life. And again, I'm not, but Jesus might. But I think this is often how we we view this idea of surrender. It's an altar call moment, a a one-time response in a church service or in some quiet time where we feel Jesus is in impressing on our hearts to make a change, to release something. But surrender is so much more than a one-time moment. Though those moments of responding to the Holy Spirit's nudge are important for our faith, I would argue that it's from the initial moment of surrender, our salvation, that we are then given a choice to surrender daily. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. It's a daily choice to release the things that have slowly removed Jesus in our hearts as our number one priority. And it can be scary for a lot of reasons, but I think at the core of the issue, because of the original deception and temptation from Adam and Eve, we have a hard time surrendering to Jesus because... We believe this lie that once our hands are open and empty, God is not big enough or great enough to fill our hands up again. And it can scare us because we are in a posture of releasing 
and we don't know sometimes. And it's okay, we're broken, we're not perfect, but there is a reality where we think, is God big enough to fill these empty hands? Our fear of surrender is, is really our unbelief that God is better than the things we're holding on to so tightly. And I know how true that can be even for myself just to to want to release these things because I love control. I love being in charge of my life. I love doing things my way. So the thought of releasing control to a God who has promised so much more can be scary. James 4 verses 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I want to start off by saying this. Um, whenever James says to do something, listen. Um, this is Jesus' brother. And if Jesus' brother can... I, anybody have siblings in the room? When's the last time you said, I'm going to submit myself to them? <laughs> right? And call them God. But James knew fully well that his brother was who his brother claimed to be. So he trusted him, and he went on to write this. When, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When we submit ourselves to God, when we surrender to God, to his leadership, we take back control from the enemy of our souls, and we give that control back to God. When we allow Jesus to be in control of our lives, when we allow Jesus to move through our lives, the enemy has no place to work in us. Because Jesus' name is bigger than the enemy's name. Temptation cannot win. The idea that God is not bigger than the things we're dealing with, the lies of other things being more worthy than God, can't win over our minds when we choose to submit and to surrender to Jesus. Which leads us to our second point, is that surrender will sometimes lead to sacrifice. And this is where we start to get a little antsy. This is where we start to get a little uncomfortable in our seats. But as we follow Jesus, there will be moments when our surrender leads to sacrifice. There will be moments when we have to leave behind habits, where we have to leave behind lifestyle choices, where we have to leave behind unhealthy relationships. You name it, there will be moments where we have to release some of those things to move forward into what God has in store for us. Before I gave my life to Jesus, um, some of you have heard my story. I was leaving, living in complete opposition to, to Jesus and to the way that he would have wanted me to live. And then one amazing day, I decided to follow Jesus again, and I was stuck in this tension to where I didn't know how to go all in for Jesus but to say no to my past friends. And I was in this weird moment where I'm like, but I've lived so much life with them, but I know that the way they're living is not going to support me to get to the way that I know I need to be living. And one of the things that I heard so clearly in my early walk with Jesus was that I needed to surrender my old friends so I could find Jesus in a new way. And it was really hard because you read in Scripture, like, I want my friends to know Jesus the way that I have finally gotten to know Jesus. But I think Jesus knew that I wouldn't have gotten to that new place with him if I continued to sit there with my friends. 
And sometimes our surrender is going to lead to sacrifice. And my sacrifice was having to say no to this friend group for a season. Hear me on that, for a season. So my foundation, my roots could be established in Jesus. So then I could go back years later and say, guys, let me tell you about this guy that I met. But sometimes we think to ourselves, how can that possibly benefit the kingdom, myself, when I surrender and I'm giving up people? I wasn't giving up the people. I was just saying Jesus is more important. My walk with Jesus is more important in this season of my life. And we even look at Jesus' disciples throughout the Gospels. They sacrificed so much to follow Jesus. They left everything behind so they could follow Jesus learn from him, and then they were launched into incredible things for the sake of the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but if somebody walked up to me today and said, hey, leave everything behind and come follow me, I don't know how I would respond to that. But they knew without a shadow of a doubt that this man who was asking him was willing to leave everything behind to say yes to following the king of kings. And that promise of God being with us, his faithfulness is a promise that God keeps with us as we sacrifice things to follow him. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And this is what I love about Jesus, is he's not going to leave you all alone wondering where he is. God is going to be with you when you choose to release things, when you choose to surrender things. To him, he promises to be there with you and to walk with you through those things. This is what, and this is the beauty of Jesus. Jesus will never do something he was not willing to do himself. He was surrendered to the Father's will, which led to the sacrifice of his body, of his life, on our behalf. He was willing to go first so that we could then follow him in the ways that he has shown us to do. Point number three is this. Surrender leads to Jesus. Surrender leads to Jesus. Never has God asked me to give something up that he has not brought me closer to him. Ever. Sometimes in the moment we don't see it. Sometimes in the moment we have a hard time kind of seeing God in those moments, in those situations. Every time I've released something to Jesus, I've always found him in some way or another, and he's brought me closer to him. And that's why I love Jesus so much. Because we stress out in that initial moment when we know God is asking us to surrender something to him, but every time I listen and I surrender that thing to him, he always shows up. And if you're taking notes, I think this, this is on your notes. It says there's nothing in your hands that God won't replace with more of himself. Nothing in your hands that God won't replace with more of himself. When I was early on in my faith walk, I've given my life to Jesus. I'd been baptized. I had found a community of believers that I love doing life with. But there was something that was holding me back. And it took me a while to figure out what that thing was, but I realized that from the death of my dad, I was holding on to a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. 
a lot of hard feelings to my dad, yes, because I was young. I didn't know how to respond to it. I didn't know how to react to it. But a lot of anger in myself. I could have handled it better. I could have been for there for him more. I could have helped more around the house. All of this shame and this guilt was in turn actually skewing my view of God as Father. And I could never get to that place where I could view God as this Father who loved me wholeheartedly, unconditionally, without anything ill will towards me because I was holding on to this pain of my earthly father. And there was a part of me that thought in my head is if I give this up and I surrender it to Jesus, then I'm going to forget about my dad. So I was scared, but one day I had a mentor and a friend look me just directly in the eyes and he said, you got to handle your stuff with your dad. You have to. And finally, out of a little bit of restraint, a little bit of not wanting to take that path, I, I approached God in prayer and said, God, I'm willing to lay down this shame. I'm willing to lay down this guilt. I'm willing to lay down all of these things that I'm holding on to so I can get closer to you. And in that moment of surrender, I mean, almost immediately I saw God as my father because of these things that were holding me back here on earth and when I finally surrendered them, I could view God as much more than just my savior, but as my father. And through that surrender, my relationship with Jesus grew bigger. But it can be hard sometimes. And I don't know where I would be right now if I hadn't gotten to that point where I had to surrender those things to Jesus so he could do a a healing work in my heart. But again, what I love about God, what I love about Jesus is he never asks you to do anything and then says, good luck. He's a God who promises to be with you in the pain, in the joy, in the surrender. He promises to be with us. In 2 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul asked the Corinthian believers a question. He says, do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ lives in you? And in writing, Jesus Christ is in you, Paul wasn't speaking poetically or metaphorically. He's looking at the church in Corinth and he's saying, do you not realize that Jesus Jesus Christ is dwelling within you? He's never not been with you. And just like the Corinthians, we believe today We need to believe that fact about us today, that we're not walking through this alone. Christ isn't outside of us as some kind of helper in our time of need, but he's a God who promises to be with us always. So when we have those daily moments of surrender, it's not a man, Jesus, I hope you show up for me in this. It's a Jesus is there with you already in those moments and we can rejoice and be joyful knowing that our God is with us, fighting for us. There is a king named Jesus who took the form of a servant because his God, his father, was everything to him. 
There's a God named Jesus who was born in the likeness of men because his God was everything to him. There is a creator named Jesus who being found in human form humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death because his father was everything to him. Jesus surrendered himself to the father's will because God was worthy of everything to Jesus, including death on a cross. He was surrendered to the will of the Father. He was surrendered to the plans of the Father. Now again, I know that there's been some things that have probably been stirring in your heart. I know for me this week, as I've been preparing this message, I've realized that there are some things in life that I need to let go of, I need to release. And there are always gonna be some things that we need to release, whether that be some issue of morality, whether that be an arrogance that we carry or greed or isolation or low self-esteem, whatever it may be for us, these things are all good to let go of 100%. But at the end of the day, surrender leads to Jesus and when we get to Jesus, he's usually asking for our whole life, not just the areas of our life. Jesus paid a price that we could never fathom and in return, he says, surrender and follow me with everything that you are daily, daily. The best thing that we could possibly do is let go and yield and say, God, I get it. I can't do this on my own. You paid the price for all of my air, for all of my sin to be covered by your blood. And now you live within me, leading me, guiding me. So Lord, I surrender. I surrender. Help us, Jesus, get to the, get as close back to the garden where we are surrendered continually to your will, Jesus. So as we close, I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just think for a moment, have a conversation with God. Maybe we haven't been giving him our all. We've been giving him parts of us and Jesus is asking some of us to, to make him the number one thing in our life again. Lord, we just pray right now that as disciples, as followers, as people who love you so much, Jesus, and just want to follow you with all of our life, I pray right now we would be able to release the things that are keeping us from following you fully, Jesus. And I pray that we would be reminded in our releasing of these things that you're not a God who's distant, but you're a God who is walking with us, through us, helping us as we overcome and release these things, surrender these things to you, Jesus. And Lord, we just pray that however we're reminded, we would be reminded on a daily basis that we need to deny ourselves, surrender ourselves to you and to your will and to your kingdom. And with every head bowed and every eye closed so far, when we talk about surrender, that initial surrender that all of us can probably go back to is the surrender that led to our salvation. 
And Lord, I, help, I, I pray that people would be reminded one of that moment that they had with you. But Lord, if there's anybody in the room right now where you've been stirring their heart and saying that you love them, you cherish them, and you're leading them to a point of surrender, I pray that you would just stir in their hearts right now and they would be bold enough to raise their hand and say, yes, Jesus, I'm willing. I'm, I'm ready to surrender right now to your will to your plans, to your purposes. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now so we can pray for you? Yeah, I see you both. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for these, these moments of surrender into your grace, into your mercy, and into your salvation, Jesus. And Lord, as much as we see them here, Lord, you see them and you're rejoicing for souls saved and lives changed today, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would continue to do a work in our hearts, continue to help us surrender daily in those areas that we need to surrender. And Lord, I just pray that every single person in this room would remember that no matter where we are, you are with us. You're not distant, but you're with us. So Lord, we love you, we worship you, we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.